delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him have no lack. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this is an historic week here in Atlanta, isn't it? Yeah. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, oh, Braves World Series. No, I turned 50 this week. Yeah. Right? Turned 50. Yeah. World Series, whatever, you know. Um, No, I turned 50, and, you know, I tell you, uh, I've been asked this a couple different times during the week, because my birthday was on Tuesday, but different things during the week. And that is, uh, what do you remember? Like, what are your favorite birthdays? And one of them was, my first birthday I ever remember was at the BK Lounge, uh, also known as Burger King. And so I was like five, and and so you got the cardboard king hats, right? And some of you are laughing, because you remember those days. Like, there was no Chuck E. Cheese back then. And, uh, or, or, you know, prancing ponies in the backyards. Uh, no, none of that. No, it was Burger King. And, and I remember those days. And then, and then when we first got married, just two years into our marriage, Kirsten threw me a surprise 30th party and had a friend from coming from out of town. It was going to be three of us for dinner and 40 people were there and said surprise and, at the restaurant. And so I can look back and I can remember some great times of celebration. And the reason why I say that is because the psalm we're looking at is one that looks back. But instead of being a celebration looking back, they're looking back at a time of affliction, but because of what God did, celebration now. We're talking about worship this morning in our series here called DNA, looking at what is it that that makes City Church, City Church. And what we're saying this morning is it's prayerful worship. And this is what essentially David's going to drive us at. And it's not just simply about what we do here on Sunday mornings. And yes, the worship was amazing that Laura just let us in. That's awesome. But but it's also between the Sundays. And so I want you to hear the psalmist this morning, David, speak to your heart this morning about what is worship and what does it look like. We're going to look at two things this morning. First of all, uh, we're going to look at the reason for prayerful worship. And then finally, the practice. Reason and practice. First here, we're going to look at the reason. Now, most of the Psalms don't have an historical background, at least one that we know of, but this is one of the rare exceptions. And we didn't read it because when we read this passage, normally we just read, uh, at least in the Psalms, the verses, but there's an inscription ahead of every Psalm. And this is the inscription for Psalm 34. It says this, of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. What in the world is that about? Well, it's a story from 1 Samuel 21, verses 15 through 20, primarily. And David, if you know the story of of David, he gets anointed after he kills Goliath, right? And so there's a king, and King Saul, and and because Saul is disobedient, God says through the prophet Samuel, I'm taking the kingdom away from you. And and, and so uh, Saul eventually is incensed, and then he decides out of jealousy to kill David, as if somehow he could stop God from giving away his kingdom. And so he goes after David, and David is in a really hard place, caught between a rock and a hard place, because he has to flee Saul with his life. And where does he go? He goes to the homeland of Goliath, the one that he just killed. He goes to a place called Gath in the Philistia. These are the Philistines, after all. And so there, the king, 
right, hears that David is the one who killed their own son. And so word gets around. So he's placed under house arrest. And David is in fear for his life. But what is fascinating is what, in verse 4, it says about how he was thinking. And I want to say something about this. So he says here in verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. You know how that happened? David pretended to go insane. You've got to look at the story. It's one of those classic Old Testament stories that are like, no way. First Samuel 21, 10 through 15. David pretends, he starts drooling, he starts marking on the walls of his room where he's under house arrest. I mean, the kind of stuff that, that puts you in a padded room. That's what David, the anointed king, is doing, right? And so the king famously says right there, he says, well, I have enough madmen in my kingdom. I don't need another one. Just let him go. This man is not a threat to us. And so what I want you to see, though, is that David hatches an ingenious plan. But who gets the credit? The Lord does. In verse 4, he says, it was the Lord who delivered me. Someone said this, that, that we were 100, we're 100% responsible for what we do, but God is 100% responsible because he's sovereign. And you know, so how does that work? It's a mystery, yes. But, but we have responsibilities. But David is saying, look, yes, in my ingenuity, I came up with a plan. I hatched a plan here, but it was the Lord who actually delivered me. There's no guarantee. I was powerless, he says here. So what's the reason for worship? We have a rescuing God. That's the reason right there. I want to stop. I want to take us out of 1500 B.C. to our own world. I want you to see that you and I, we have reasons to celebrate God right now. Last week, Brooke did a great job in the story of grace about what God has done in her own heart regarding racial reconciliation and has given her a national platform with the podcast. It was great. A number of you came up to me and just shared how meaningful it was to hear from Brooke regarding that. That's one reason why we should worship together our great God. And then that night, we went to our annual vision dinner, which this year would have been two years in the making, right? And not only did we look back at what, what God has been doing the last two years, we looked forward with anticipation in light of our vision here. But what do we want to see uh, happen here at City Church and through City Church for the city. And if you remember, uh, Reed Smith Beniz, one of our elders, he actually stood up and, and shared his testimony of his transformation of what God did, bringing him from death to life. A story that I, I'd heard before from him personally, but I'd never heard him give publicly before. And he shared that with all of you. It was a profoundly moving story. A number of people said it was the highlight of the evening for them, just to hear that story. That's another reason why we gather for worship, to celebrate our great God. And, and those are just their stories, but what about our collective story? What about the pandemic? What about the last 18 months, the level of anxiety that we've held, held in our souls and in our hearts? Right? What about the racial strife and division? We remember the shootings here in Atlanta that targeted the Asian American community. We remember the, the, the division. And look, I mean, so much of, of what we see, the anger that's just boiling out there. And, 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 and we see all that. And here it is that in God's sovereignty, we have been gathering to worship our Lord. 
That we, and we, and we, we take what we learn in our worship about the character of God and then we, we press that upon the issues of our day. That's what we long to do, is to press upon our world, our, the great God that we have. And, and where does that fire, where does the fuel for that fire come from? It comes into our worship. It's what we do on the Sundays and between the Sundays privately in devotionals and so forth. And so this is the generative energy and the fuel for the fire for our hearts and, and for our souls. See, we have reasons to worship because we have a rescuing God. Amen? Yeah, just because we're Presbyterian doesn't mean you can't say amen. Right? And so, like, we have a rescuing God. We have a God who delivers us, who has delivered us, and will continue to deliver us. And so this isn't just David's story. We're not just looking back. This is our story, you see. It's our story here. But I also want to say this, that that I don't want you to miss the, the forest for the trees here. And I want you to see something really important here. Because this question came up during our staff thing when we were looking at this passage. And, and that's, wait a minute. David says right here in verse 6, he says, hey, look, the Lord saved him. And he, and he, and he saved me from all of my troubles. Whoa, 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 whoa. But I've got troubles, Scott. And, and so, and I've been praying and, and I've been delivered from those troubles, from those afflictions and so forth. What do we do with that? Well, context is key here. When David said, you deliver me from all my troubles. Now, you need to know this. Remember, he's looking back. He's now king, probably. And you know what? Heavy is the crown that lays on the head. Any leader here in any industry, leader of a church, heavy is the crown that lays upon the head. David, as king, knew affliction and trouble. Right? His whole life was one of trouble and affliction, right? Anyone who's a, my, my favorite uh, a Far Side cartoon, uh, you remember the Far Side? Some of you will remember that Far Side cartoon. It's this, uh, it's this deer who has a birthmark, and it's a, it, the birthmark is a target, all right? And so one deer looks at the other and says, bummer of a birthmark, Hal. And, uh, I mean, that's leadership, one-on-one right there. Uh, you, you feel like you're born with a target on your chest. You go, there's nervous laughter. We know that. And, and so I, why do I say that? Well, I say that because... David, as he says, I've been delivered from all my afflictions. He doesn't mean that right now in the moment he doesn't have afflictions. But he's saying, I look back at that event and I see how you delivered me. And I think it's so important because right now, collectively, we're still coming out of the pandemic. At the very least, we have supply chain issues for Christmas, right? Some parents are like, ah, no sort of thing like that. But you know, more seriously, like we know, like most of us know people that have died from COVID now. And a lot of us have got sick in here. And, and beyond the, the pandemic, they're just the kind of the, the garden variety. But it's not doesn't feel garden variety to you. But what I mean by that is like there's always stuff going on. There's always diseases in the body, pandemic or not. There's always hardness in marriage, right? It's hardness in singleness, loneliness for so many of us. Depression. I mean, these are things that afflict. And so what we need during those times of affliction is to remember the story. And so we need, need David's story. We need Brooke's story. We need Reed's story, you see. We need all these stories for us. So listen to what it says in verse 1. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Remember, he's got troubles and afflictions at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And then he goes on and, you know, he says there in verse 4 again, he said, he delivered me from all my fears. And later on, he says something very similar. And the fears here means anxiety. Right? I think, man, that's our world today. Have we ever been a more anxious people? I mean, I could show you 
chart after chart, survey after survey that shows that anxiety levels have never been higher in the United States of America than our world, our time right now, especially for young people and all that they've been through, the schools and and the lack of education and so forth. I mean, and tremendous anxiety that we carry in our bodies. I mean, Mike and others do a great job of counseling around this to understand that we carry trauma in our bodies. Like, friends, like these are the fears, all that hatred and the anger that you see in social media. You know what's behind that? Fear. That's what drives unrighteous anger is fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of powerlessness. And what does David say? I was powerless, but you delivered me from that fear. He says. You see, when we take our eyes off the Lord, instantly we're brought to fear. Now, in a second, we're going to see, but when we have our eyes on the Lord, we're actually driven to fear. You're like, wait a minute, I'll get to that in a second. But right now he's saying, no, I've been delivered from fear. Now, lastly here, I want you to see, regarding the reason, the rescue. I want you to see how he rescues. It's in verses 6 and 7. This poor man cried, meaning David, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Two things I want you to see here. Number one, if you are an Israelite, you're in worship in the temple. And what you're hearing are these psalms. That's what the psalms were, in case you were wondering. The psalms were actually poetry written by David and others, and they were, and they were put to tunes, basically. Songwriters put them to tunes, you see. And, and so they sang these things corporately together. And so as you're singing Psalm 34, what are you hearing? Exodus. I cried out to the Lord and he heard my cry. It's early Exodus. I cried out to the Lord. It's what the Lord says to Moses. I hear the cries of my people and I'm sending a rescuer, Moses. Oh yeah? Who's that going to be? You. I'm sending you. No, 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 no. No, I'm sending you. Right? And he does it. The mighty, wondrous deeds of God on display. And what do they do as soon as they crossed through the Red Sea? They sang and they worshiped God. You have been a deliverer. And the story of Exodus, you know, this story, I mean, even today, and especially in the African American community, you you see that joyous expression of worship of Exodus from, from the 19th century, from chattel slavery and and through Jim Crow. And, and listen, this is the story of God's people through the ages. Is that we have a rescuing God. We have so much collectively and individually to celebrate with joy. But it's the second portion there in verse 7. And it's, what does it say there? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. Now, in the Old Testament, whenever you see the phrase angel of the Lord, it refers to a theophany. You know what a theophany is? It's the visible manifestation of the divine. And so there's a famous, uh, many, but here's one in Joshua. In the beginning of the book of Joshua, it says that Joshua was, was encamped. And he was ready to go out to take the promised land. God had given the promised land to uh, God's people to dwell in. But it had to be taken, in, in essence. And that's a whole other story. But it says there that Joshua suddenly sees an angel of the Lord appear. And, and he says to the angel of the Lord, are you for us against us? And he says, neither, I'm for the Lord and those who will follow after him. And of course, Joshua, as leader of God's people, leads and, and there's a day of victory for them. And I, I could show you several other places from Genesis all the way through David's time, the angel of the Lord. 
right? This is the presence. So what is David saying? David is saying, look, I know, or I have a reason to celebrate you. It's because of your intimate presence. That's what that's referenced to. He's saying, you are so present with us that even though I can't see you, I experience you, I know you, I feel you, that you are here with your people. And so I celebrate you even when I can't physically see you. I, I feel your presence. But what does that mean for us as Christians? Man, think about this passage. We're not in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. What is the angel of the Lord? You know. When did God make himself fully present to us in the flesh? Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord encamps around us and delivers us. That is Jesus Christ who took on flesh. He lived the life that we should have lived, and then he died the death we deserved. Why? So that he could give us the resurrection life that he always wanted to give us. The angel of the Lord encamps around us. Friends, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, regardless of what you're experiencing, what you're feeling right now in your heart, regardless of your set of circumstances in your marriage or in your singleness, in your body, whatever it might be, the angel of the Lord encamps around you, and he promises you that you will make it through whatever it is that you're facing. This pandemic, once-in-a-lifetime event. Think about that. I don't think we have enough distance yet to understand the, the depth of meaning that this pandemic has meant for us. A once-in-a-lifetime event, coupled with all those other things that happen in the midst of it. Right? I think we're going to look back, and generations will look back, and they'll say, oh, I, rem- I heard the stories of what you went through. I honestly do believe that, right? But the point in saying that is that we have a God who says, I'm for you, I'm not against you. What's the living proof? What's the reason? Rescue, Jesus Christ. Saved us from eternal death itself, which leads here to the second thing I want us to see, right? And, and listen, this, this is in verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Remember what I said? I said, said we've been delivered from fear, but then we're delivered to fear. And you're like, whoa, whoa, I don't understand. That's a paradox. Yes, it is. See, the words here, this is the problem with an English translation. When we come to something like this, and if, you, if you're looking at this, and maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this before, you're saying, this is, that's really confusing. I don't understand. I don't get it. Well, it's two different words in the Hebrew. But in the English, it, just, it gets translated as the same word. It's unfortunate. The, the fear that normally you think of, that's verse 4. You delivered me from my fears. But all the other words three different times in verses 6 and then verses 7 and verses 9, the word fear there means holy reverence. It means you are God and I am not, and I see that and I worship you because of that. He says, so now that I have my eyes back on you, I see who you are. I don't have a need for fear over here. I see deliverance. Now I am full of confidence that you are who you are. And so paradoxically, to have the fear of the Lord is to have a boldness and a confidence. How about that? You see, a reason for worship. And the good news is it leads to our practice. And this is where I'm going to conclude. It's not going to be a really long sermon today. This is where I'm concluding. Three things, three movements I want you to see from the text of how we actually practice this. Number one, prayer itself. If you go back to verse 4, and it's really all over the verses 1 through 9, but especially in verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. The reason why we pray multiple times during the service it's not because we're checking off a list of things to do. It's because prayer is central to our worship, friends. Prayer is not simply something you do in privacy. 
Prayer is what God's people do together. It's why we have the prayers of the people. It's why we pray periodically. It's why I'll be praying at the end of the sermon here in a second to remind us that we have an intimate relationship with God. And then the, and what David says here is that I cried out to the Lord and he heard my voice. Prayer is worship, friends. In fact, this is so important that the first several months of next year, I'm doing a teaching series just on prayer through the Lord's Prayer. I'm so excited about that. And then I'm going to call us as a church family to a, a movement of prayer. I've been sharing this with our elders. And so they're calling our elders say, we have got to pray. It doesn't matter that we come up with ingenious solutions on, on how to build a better mousetrap here at City Church or how to, how to reposition ourselves, really replant the church is what we're doing on the other side of the pandemic. No, it's about more than that. It's prayer because prayer is the power. The, the ingenuity, that's not enough. Prayer is what actually changes the church. Prayer is what actually changes us from the inside out so that the world might be transformed outside in, you see. And so, and so the first movement here is prayer. I want you to see how important that is because it is, it is surrender. Robert Thune, in a work called Gospel Eldership, our elders have read this book. It's excellent. Prayer takes the moments of helplessness in people's lives, a car accident, a miscarriage, the loss of a job, the belligerence of a hard-hearted spouse, and turns them into moments of worship. In times when people most feel God's absence, prayer expresses our confidence in his presence. I've shared this story, but as I share the story, it gives me a chance to learn my own story more and more. But several years ago, I, I really deeply struggled with an insomnia. And, and, and so once you hear this, there are many reasons for insomnia. Uh, so what I tell you is, for mine, it may not be your story. But several years ago, I really deeply struggled with that. And I remember just in the middle of the night, I would start circling the drain, I call it. I'd sp- start spiraling. And the more, the more you get anxious about the lack of sleep, you know what I'm talking about? The more you get anxious, the, the harder it is to sleep. And so I would get, then I'd get angrier. And the angrier I got, the harder it was to sleep, all right? And so hours would go by, and then I would just be, I, I get so fearful in the darkness of the night. It says in some of the other Psalms, in the darkness of the night, I felt dread. Man, I thought, what if I don't ever sleep again? Like, that, that's the sort of thinking, not rational, but what if I don't ever sleep again? Like, I'm going to die, right? That's what I was saying. I'm going to die. Like, it was just, I was just this dread. And, and, and so, and so one night in the middle of the night, I just had this sudden, sudden realization that this, my mind was not being driven by physiological reasons as far as I could tell or anything else. It was being driven by a spiritual reason. And so I remember the night and I finally just began to weep. Instead of getting angry, I began to weep and I said, Lord, have mercy upon me. Um, I sense that there's something in here that you have for me and, and that um, there, there's something that I'm keeping you at bay with. And so, and I repented and I won't go into all the detail of that, but I just, I began to give it to him. And, and it's not like just overnight, I never had another issue again, but man, it got dramatically better. And each time it did happen again, I would surrender. I would surrender. And I don't know what it is. Some of you did nod your head when I said insomnia, but maybe it was that some of those things on Robert Thune's list there. It's a miscarriage. It's, it's a hard place in your marriage right now. It's, it's loneliness as a single person or maybe loneliness as a married person. I'm not sure what it is for you, but the question is, can you see God, even in the presence of his absence? Can, and how do you do that? Again, you need the stories of the community. I, I cannot stress this to you enough. Why is it so important that we worship together on Sunday mornings? 
Well, let me just tell you that even if you're not here, even if you're going vacation, if you can, go and worship somewhere. Don't, don't, don't make worshiping with God's people somewhere in the world secondary. If you can. I know it's not always possible, but if you can, do that. Or, or live stream uh, when it's working. Uh, live stream. Like, use it. Leverage it. Whatever you can. Because when you're in a stuck place, when you're in a hard place, you know what God gives you? He gives you a community. And he says, he says to you, John, Matt, Cynthia, Kristen, I have a story for you. I want you to hear their story. And I want you to see your story in their story. The community is a place where God speaks to us through other images, friends. And does it as a gift to you. And that's why, look at verses 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast of the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let's exalt His name together. Did you see what He did? He went from, this is my story. Now, in light of my story, let's worship God together, friends. That's what David was doing. Hey, let's all join in together. Brooke's story, Reed's story, Scott's story, Insomnia, your story. We need those stories to say, we have a mighty and wondrous God. And we can look back to the day of our salvation and rejoice for what God has done. And when we're saying, God, you seem so absent, we look back and say, God, I need to be rescued all over again. I need that. I need deliverance. It doesn't just be the day of my salvation, but salvation is ongoing. The gospel is ongoing, friends. And that's my hope and prayer is that when you come here and worship or between the Sundays, that you would know the presence of God even when he feels far away, friends. Right. And, and, and the last thing I want to say about that is that word magnify there. You might think, oh, that's sort of like a, like a microscope, magnify. What is magnification? Magnification with a microscope is taking something that is truly small and trying to make it bigger. But that's not this. This is a telescope. Something that is gargantuan but seems distant and bringing it closer so that you might truly see it. That's what magnification actually means. We have a supreme God who's gargantuan. And when we are feeling lost and broken and afflicted in a pandemic and other reasons, we forget how great and good our God is. Lord did a great job reminding us about the goodness of God this morning. The goodness and the greatness of God go hand in hand. And so I, I want us just to celebrate God this morning. I want you to go out to Sandwiches in the Park in a second rejoicing. And as we sing, as we go to the table in a second rejoicing, which leads to the last thing here. The first thing is prayer. The second is that rejoicing. Here's the third one. Here's the last thing I say is to actually experience God in the present moment. To experience Him. Look at verse 8 with me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Often when I fence the table, you'll hear me say that. Taste and see the Lord is good. Now you know where that comes from. One of the most famous verses in all the Psalms. What is, what is David saying? It's not enough simply to have a good theological knowledge of God. Though Theology 101 class with Matt is awesome. You, know, you should do that if you haven't already in the future. But that's awesome. But listen, that's not the same thing as experiencing God. We need the experience of God. And I've seen it when people come through the communion line with tears, with the, the burdens that they carry. And, and I can see it as they take the bread. I'm, I'm casting my burden to you, Jesus. And so give me a lighter yoke. Cast your burdens upon me. And in their tears, they come and they receive the bread that is the body of Christ and the wine that is the blood of Jesus. And they were reminded of that moment, taste and see. 
that the Lord is good. That's why we take communion every week, friends. We take it every week to remind ourselves that God is for you and he's not against you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And so my hope and prayer is that as you come to the table here in just a few minutes, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you will come with joy in your footsteps, knowing that despite what you may be facing right now, if that is your story indeed this morning, you have a good God who wants to deliver you. Listen to what Jonathan Edwards says about experience. I love this. He was an 18th century theologian and pastor. There's a difference between having an opinion that God is holy and gracious and having a sense of the loveliness and beauty of that holiness and grace. There is a difference between having a rational judgment that honey is sweet and having a sense of its sweetness. I love that. This week I, I got to make my, my favorite my favorite thing of all time, brisket. Mm. Mm. You know, my, my, my goal is to perfect it this side of heaven, but if not, I'll try to deal when I get there. You know, there will be big green eggs in heaven, just so you know. And Traegers and all those good things there. But, but listen, I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, I've had brisket, it's another thing to taste it, right, if it's good, right? And fill in your... your, your cuisine of choice, your culinary experience. I mean, I love Thai food, for instance, Indian food, and man, with all those aromatic spices, and man, I just it's one thing to, to say, I'm going to go get Thai food, but man, when you take that food in, you're like, this is amazing with the world, you know, all these cultures, diverse cultures, and all the food that we have, and we often travel based upon food, and, and, and we love just to, just to enjoy, and, and what, what happens when you have a really good meal, friends? You experience joy. And so as you come to the table this morning, yeah, it's just bread. It's just a little wine or grape juice. But it is a reminder that there's a feast to come. And the worship, you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. As good as it is here at City Church, you haven't seen anything yet. And so, in light of that, worship Him prayerfully. And let's tell Atlanta that there's something even better than the Braves winning the World Series. Right? Because that's going to happen to us. <laughs> but something even better is that Atlanta would know our great God, who's God of the world, world and the universe. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for this reminder in your hymn book of how good you are and that we are made for goodness. And so in a second, we're going we're gonna to stand and sing again. I pray we belt it out in light of your text, in light of what we know about your goodness to us in the past, your goodness to us in the present, and my gosh, your goodness for the future to come in fullness one day. And so, Lord, we're going to worship you in light of all that past, present, and future. We're going to practice that as we take the table here in just a few minutes. We're going to practice that even in our confession where in prayer we surrender to you all over again. Thank you, God. You're not religion. You are a relationship. And that is so good. So beautiful. May we make much of you now. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Scott said, we're going to continue in worship, and we're going to do that first through confession. I just want to take a moment now to ask the Spirit, what, what's, he, what's He maybe moving in your heart? What's He stirring inside of you?
as we think about worship. Where have you found worth apart from him that's not of him that maybe has led to fear? Take a moment now and ask the Spirit to reveal that as we go to confession together. Now, I want to remind you that in the Lord's Prayer, he starts with Father as he teaches us to pray. And down below, finally, forgive us our debts, right? And so let's start and let's pray to our Father this prayer of confession together. God, we are a forgetful people. When we experience troubles, we often only see our troubles. We often turn to our own devices to fix our lives. But you ask us to turn to you in prayer. Forgive us for forgetting your past rescue of us, our freedom from spiritual death, and all the experiences of your mercy in our lives. Jesus, help us to taste and see how good you are, even now as we prepare for the table of your grace and mercy. Amen. Scripture says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Receive his forgiveness. Let's walk in faith of his goodness goodness this morning. And now we go to the table. And Scott already prepared the table. He really has. He said that at the table we remember the story. So let's look back in faith together. We remember that he died in our place. We remember he took the wrath of God in our place. But we also remember not only did he die for us, he lived for us, Scott said. Which we were talk- I was talking about with a friend this morning. He lived for us. We get all of his righteousness. Not only can we go forgiven, we can approach now in righteous faith that we are his children. And so we remember the story of the past, and then we believe he's continuing to write the story of the future. That's hope. Faith and hope. What, for what end? That he fills us now for today in his love. So today we get to receive, we get to taste and see His love is good, it fills us, it is for our good. So if this morning you're a member of a church somewhere and you're walking in faith with Him this morning, this meal's for you to come and be filled up, to come and receive so you go out and you have something to give. But if not, if you're here this morning and you're investigating, we want you to know it's a safe place. It's a safe place to stay in your seat and investigate. But it would be inauthentic for you to have communion with a God that's not yet your God. So please, Feel your freedom to stay there, and we would love to walk with you as you journey if you have questions on those things. But with those helpful communion, please come forward. And as they do, I want to, tell, I want to remind you, I don't say this often, but our bread here is gluten-free, and in our, our, we have one cup now because we have non-alcoholic wine. I didn't know that was possible, but it's possible. So you can receive from that one cup this wine, and, and we have one loaf here. But on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, after giving thanks, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup and he raised it in front of his disciples. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink of it as often as we come together. 
and we join with the saints who throughout the ages proclaim this great mystery which goes like this. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Brothers and sisters, when you're ready, come and take your meal with Jesus. Would you sing with me? My healing Savior say, I strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Cause Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Heavenly Father, would you take these ordinary bread and wine and, and make them extraordinary in our lives, Lord? Would you take and set apart us for your good, for your name, Jesus? We worship you. We bless your name this morning and at all times because you're good, because you're righteous, and because you're worthy, Lord. And so may our lives be a reflection of the worth that you have, Lord. We pray in your great name. Amen. Would you stand with me and... We will sing our closing song. Let's continue to praise him with all that we have together in this place. This my Spirit of faith until he comes my salvation in heaven here by faith is my inheritance God's power will be shield 
my inheritance. This is my inheritance. you to go over across uh, the way of the park. We're still waiting on the sandwiches to arrive, um, so they'll be here any moment now. But we invite you just to take the stories of worship, and let's continue in our worship through the practicing of community life together across the way. Again, if you're brand new to City Church, you are a welcome guest. We would love to spend time with you across the way here if you can, so please join us for that. I'm going to take our benediction this morning actually from our passage, verses 1 through 3 and verse 8. Listen again. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt His name together. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Go in His peace today, but especially across the park. Amen.